Welcome to St. Super East Sips. I am Emma Swain. I'm the CEO here at St. Super East State Vineyards and Winery in the beautiful Napa Valley. And I'm so thrilled to have with us today, Beth Novak Milliken, President and CEO of Spotswood um, Winery, also here in the beautiful Napa Valley and one of our esteemed leaders in sustainability here in Napa as we celebrate Down to Earth Month in uh, California. This is the 11th annual Down to Earth Month, a celebration of the wine community's commitment to protecting and enhancing the land, regions, and wine industry for future generations. And I know that's something that's really near and dear to both Beth and my heart. Um, Beth has uh, joined uh, Spotswood in 1987 with her mother, Mary Novak, and became the first second-generation family member to become actively involved in guiding Spotswood Estate Vineyard and Winery. She's been a leader in Napa Valley since the very beginning, advocating on behalf of the wine industry and social and environmental causes she holds dear. In 1998, Beth was elected the youngest president ever of the Napa Valley Vintners and the first woman to hold that position. And in 2007, Spotswood joined 1% for the Planet, donating 1% of Spotswood's gross revenues each year to nonprofits that support a healthier world. So welcome, Beth. Thanks Thank you very much, Emma. I'm glad to be here. Thank you. Thanks. It's great to, to see you. And um, you and I first met in our involvement in the Napa Valley Vintners and uh, the Land Trust of Napa County in the early 90s. And you have been a, a huge advocate of sustainability in Napa Valley since the very beginning. And, you know, you have so many certifications um, at Spotswood and so many different uh, programs going on. But tell me kind of what started uh, this movement for the planet with you and your family to be so thoroughly dedicated and such a great pillar of everything that you do at Spotswood. Well, um, yeah, and thank you. Thank you again for, for having me. Um, you know, what got us really started, um, even which is even before I started here at Spotswood, Tony Soder was our founding winemaker. He came on board with us in 1982 when we made our first vintage of Cabernet Sauvignon 10 years after we had uh, moved here. And um, in 1985, he really recognized that he wanted to also manage the vineyard because he he knew that that direct and intimate connection between growing of the grapes and making of the wine would enable him to 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 be holistically in, engaged in making the wines. He was a philosophy major by background, and he was really interested in organics. And so he brought the idea to my mom. And you know, after three years of his making. Our wines, my mom really trusted him and, and was absolutely willing to give it a go. So we started farming organically in 1985. Uh, we got certified in 92 um, and I was here by then. And then basically since then, I mean, we were we were at organics for a long time. And then we, you know, started doing other things bit by bit restoration of this um, of Spring Creek, which borders the southern boundary of our estate vineyard. It's a little in town creek. Um, we have neighbors on the other side and then you know, solar and 1% for the planet. And it, and it kind of went on from there. But that was really, I would say, Tony Soder certainly planted that seed early about caring for our national environment. You know, that's so interesting because my very first job in the wine business was at Inglenook, then Nibom Coppola, also ah, working with Tony. Yes. And we, we got our organic certification in 1994. So he's certainly left a footprint um, across Napa Valley with the many wineries he consulted with as well. Yes. 
So that's great. So there's there's a lot of different certifications in the wine business, and people are always asking me, you know, what's Napa Green? What's um, what's bee friendly? What's what are the what's biodynamic? What's organic? And I think it'd be great today to go through for our listeners and talk about those different certifications, as you have so many with Napa Green Vineyard and Winery. You're certified organic. You're certified biodynamic. You're a certified B Corporation. One percent for the planet, true zero waste, gold certification, carbon free fund member, international wineries of climate action member. And so all of those um, are fantastic organizations, but they all have a little, little bit different twist as well. So maybe we could just start out with um, Napa Green and talk about what that means to you in the in the vineyard and the winery, because I think the winery component often gets uh, lost in the discussion. Yeah, so Napa Green, and, and you're you're also members of, of Napa Green at St. Super, right? As I as I know it. So you can speak to it as well as I can, and we can go back and forth. Napa Green Winery as a certification has always been a rigorous certification. And it it measures, you know, it just looks at your at your operations and how are you operating and are you operating at the highest level just in terms of water use and electric use and just keeping an eye on and how and how you electricity, everything, you know, what, what you're using and, and how, and how you're operating. And that's always been a, a good certification. The Napa Green Vineyard is really exciting because it's been, it's been retooled and made significantly more rigorous and it's made us, you know, much more interested in it. It was originally created to sort of respond to some regulatory needs vis-a-vis, uh, -vis, I believe the stormwater and that sort of thing. And ultimately, what has happened is a woman named Anna Britton has has taken it on the Napa Valley Vintners, by the way, which I'm back on the board of. But it was instrumental in starting Napa Green many years ago for its members, and then it it's peeled off so that it's broader now. And since Anna took it on, it's really something that I'm really proud of what she's done. She's worked really hard, and she has a board that works with her. But to really arrive at an approach to how we manage our land, but it also includes how do we manage not just our land, but you know the the groundwater underneath it. If if how do we how do we care for forests? It's very much pro forestation, which means don't tear out forests and try to reforest. Just don't don't tear out the forest, right? Keep them there. Uh, it's about caring for your employees and and you know allowing for. Uh, just ensuring that that every aspect of your operation is cared for um, in a really humane and uh, an environmentally sensitive way. And so for us, um, it's been exciting to pursue this new certification, which we just got. Uh, and, you know, it's it, it does take some real doing. So I think Napa Green is a, is a really great program. And I, I hope that we can encourage many, many others to to join up and be a part of this new, more rigorous program. Yeah, I think that one of the things that we like about the new program is it is having us measure our um, quest towards carbon neutrality and is telling us how actually carbon positive we are in the vineyard, which was pretty exciting for us when we finished our measurements last year to know that um, we're having that big a positive impact. Um, 
as we are in the vineyard, I think we're a little over 1,200 um, tons at our Dollar Hyde Ranch and a little over 200 in um, Rutherford. So it's nice to, okay. to know that, that uh, we're making progress, to have that measured, to be moving forward. So that's an exciting component of it. But I love that it requires this continuous improvement. You know, when we first got our, our Napa Green Winery certification um, in 2012, it actually took us a really long time to get it done because we thought we were doing a great job. I mean, you know, we were recycling all our water, we were composting all our wine waste and all of these things that yeah. we think that's a big impact. But what we found when we looked at the business is we weren't doing enough of the little stuff and all that little stuff adds up with the light bulbs that you're using with exactly. your recycling and this, you know, the business components that any business can sort of um, take and ensure that they're doing from, you know, composting in the lunchroom to recycling uh, in the office and trying not to print anything. <laughs> exactly. You know, that that is what you bring up is the really interesting part. I mean, there is there is time and effort into any of these certifications. You have to gather information because if you don't gather information, you can't get the data back that tells you where you are and, and where you can improve. So it is it is a commitment of time, but the but the payback in a lot of ways um, is is quite remarkable. I mean, if we can if we can all of these things. I mean, using better light bulbs as an example, depending on the size of your operation. I mean, it it actually saves you money too. So it makes business sense as well as just being the right thing to do. And I think that's I think that's what's so informative is that you can make change based upon information that you have. I mean, you can't you can't manage what you can't what you don't measure. And so it's it's great to be able to do this. Yeah, I think that my my other favorite thing about Napa Green is the recertification process every three years and, and having to do better. And after our our first recertification, we created a, a green team at the winery with people from each department. And that team looks at those measurements every month and looks at how much solar power we're generating. You know, do we need to clean the panels? Are we, you know, doing our best in right. water conservation? And so I think it, it gets everyone focused and kind of excited about it. Once you're, once you're measuring, you know, you can do better. Exactly. I, I, and, and all of these certifications are like that. I mean, exactly. I mean, B Corp, as an example, you recertify every three years and you continuously try to increase the number of points. And in, and in that case, um, you know, you can get a quarter of a point here and a, you know, three quarters of a point there and 1.5 points there. It's, it's amazing how they measure them, but they're really measuring every aspect of what you do. And so you keep like, like exactly what you just said, Emma, we're doing the exact same thing here is that you keep looking at what you're doing and looking at ways to make incremental improvements. And, and that feels really good, too. And it does get your team, you know, really engaged and, and, and all on the same page, sort of, you know, moving in the same direction. And it's, it's a great sense of, of sort of community and camaraderie coming together to do these things. Absolutely. And, you know, one of the, the other things you are certified um, biodynamic, which we are, are not, but I often get the question um, on what makes biodynamics different from organics, from Napa Green, because there's so many things that are similar, like doing cover crops and, and a lot of the things that we do, but there is a lot more to it than that. Do you want to speak to maybe the, the differences between organic and biodynamic or Similar. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I can, and it and it's it's a little bit nebulous, but it, but it's it's not. It's just sort of hard. It's hard to explain. So, organics is really just the just you don't use uh, 
you don't use herbicides or, or pesticides in essence, right? You're, you're farming your vineyard without chemicals. So it's very sort of, I don't want to say it's prescriptive, but you, you, you're using, you're not using chemicals at all in your vineyard. So we haven't had chemicals in this vineyard or on the grounds or the gardens or anything like that. I mean, since 1985, we're, we're really committed to this um, and building that, that, that healthy ecosystem. And, you know, even with organics, I mean, we've had bird boxes in our vineyard for a long time, owl boxes uh, in our, in our vineyard. Um, so we're, you know, if you think about a vineyard, you and I both know that it's vineyards are monocultures, right? You, you have grapevines and you have grapevines. So what we're doing and what you're also doing is building biodiversity into the vineyard, right? So we have insectaries along the whole, along the border of our vineyard. We have olive trees all the way around it. Um, we have different pockets where we're allowing for, I mean, the bird life in our vineyard is absolutely remarkable, right? So we have all of these different things and we have bee, we've actually bought more recently these bee logs so that actually strap to trees, right? So they're not bee boxes where we're forcing bees into our human sort of construct. And because we want to get that honey, these are, these are bee, the, these are amazing things where, where we're just allowing bees to live wild, right? It's a home for them to, to be feral and to live wild. We will not collect honey. It's just, it's a home for them and it's a safe home for them, um, whereas bee boxes can often get attacked by beetles and other things. So when you look at biodynamics to get to your, back to your question, you know, it's a more holistic approach. You are looking at how does your vineyard fit into the whole sort of system? And, and it can be celestial, it can be, it can just be, uh, you know, the moon and, and whether it's, whether it's, full or whether it's not full, we don't pick only on a, on a full moon. But when you're pruning and you're looking at sap flows and different things, it's bringing in, we make our own biodynamic teas. So it's these teas that get sprayed out um, in the vineyard that add different, different elements to the vineyard and bring about um, sort of that, again, that connection between what we have here on the earth and what and the whole environment of what is out there. So it, it sounds, it sounds, it, it's more about being a cohesive whole. Now here at Spotswood, we don't have, we have 45 total acres. We do have life in the vineyard by which I mean, I've talked about the birds, but we do have sheep. Um, we have 11 heritage sheep. We have four cashmere goats. We have four pigs that are not particularly useful. We have chickens and we have a barn cat. But anyway, you, you want that life force in your vineyard. And so we do have that. For example, we don't have the space to raise our own cattle and then to bury the cow horn and to do. So there's things in there that, that you know, the things that you hear about, which are fascinating, but not realistic for absolutely everybody, depending on the size of your property. So, you know, we... We're fully Demeter certified and, and it's we've been farming biodynamically since 06 or 07. And um, it's something that we love that we love doing. And it's just an additional sort of, yeah, uh, it, it causes you that more holistic, um, connective approach to farming. You know, and I think one of the things that that biodynamics does um, and that we're seeing more in the Napa Green certification that we're seeing more in organics is is thinking about um, soil and the importance of soil and soil health. And, you know, it's something that we we think about as we sequester carbon and how we can improve that sequesterization. Um, But I I do think that um, thinking about soil health kind of brings us to 
you know, being more of regenerative farming. And so much of what we think about today in sustainability is it's no longer just sustaining, right? We need to, we right. need to be doing more. We need to be right. doing more. And, and a lot of that, I think, um, comes with the biodiversity and thinking about about the soils, which I think all of these certifications really are looking at. I, I agree with you. And I, I like I like what you just said very much, that it's not just about sustainability because we don't want to sustain what we have. We, we need to improve what we have. I think I think we all know that climate change is here. It's very real. And, and we all have an opportunity at this point in time. We have a real opportunity to act and to do the right thing for our soils, for our land, for our air, for all of it. And I think that that's something that, you know, that feels good. And in terms of the soils, I mean, that's so crucial. We're actually going to get regenerative organic certified as well. It's it's redundant to, to what we have, but we feel like it's being talked about and, and it's what people are doing. I mean, again, we already have it through our two, through our two certifications, but we're just going to, Certification, as you and I were talking about, you know, is important because it's an outside third party endorsement that you're actually doing the right thing and you're not just saying that you're doing the right thing. So I think that's why getting these certifications is important is that it says that you're you're actually committed to doing what you say that you're doing and, and you're following through. And, and so that's important. It is. It's really important. And, and for us, I think that's why we've we like the recertification process, the continuous improvement process. And, um, and that's why we put, you know, Napa green on every single one of our bottles <laughs> since 2012. But um, I think it, yeah. it's important for people to know that. And, you know, we, you touched just sort of briefly on um, biodiversity in the vineyard and the importance of that. And and you and I, when we were on the, the land trust board together, um, I remember we did the project with the nature conservancy and sort of looked at biodiversity um, around Napa County. We measured the biodiversity by parcel and um, with the help of the Nature Conservancy. And they did a huge project on that. And it always fascinates me that when you, if you think about a map of the United States and you think of black being the most biodiverse color, if you look at where we are in Northern California, um, that biodiversity is sort of black and you go across the country and it sort of becomes, you know, completely white until you sort of hit Tennessee and the Everglades. And, you know, we have a, we have a duty to our environment to maintain that biodiversity and um and people think about it as the different trees the different plants but again it's also what's in the soil and it's the um the different organisms that are so important exactly and, and i love you know i love again what you just said that we do have a, a it's really a moral obligation that duty is is the same idea to to protect what we have and you know, that's why, again, to go back to to the Napa Green and sort of the proforestation, which is about do no further harm. Don't rip out any more vines. You know, what we all know, I think, is that uh, the earth is finite. Napa Valley is finite. Um, Sonoma Valley is finite. There can only be so much. You know, you or I and I couldn't partner up and head over to Burgundy and say, we want to plant a new vineyard. There just isn't land for that. Right. So, you know, here in Napa Valley, even though it's it's so anathema to to us sort of as Americans to always think, oh, you know, we can just keep doing what we've been doing. It's not business as usual. And we really do need to take a different viewpoint. And you're, you shared that map with me via email a couple of months ago that showed the immense biodiversity we have right here in Napa County. And I mean, that goes all the way out toward Lake Berryessa and up to the Snow Peak Wilderness. 
you know, so we're talking, you know, east and north all the way up to Mount St. Helena. And it's a remarkable pocket here that we have. And so we do have a real moral obligation to not tear out more of our forest to plant vineyard, to not do those things anymore. We need to live within our means. And that also has to do with our with our groundwater. I mean, we are in a significant, significant drought. It's it's not just sort of a subtle drought. It's 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 deep. And we need to be really good stewards of these natural resources so that we can continue to grow, you know, the really the finest grapes and 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 make the greatest wines here in Napa Valley that, that we've been able to make. And that's we we have a we have that moral obligation to steward this well. Absolutely. And, you know, there's um, so much at St. Tiffany that we talk about is just, you know, it's the little things. And if we can just kind of focus, all of us can do just a few more little things every day, every month, every year, then we're going to make progress. It's not going to just stay the same. We're going to make progress because if you look at it and you measure it, you can see the change. Um, Exactly. And suddenly the years pass and look at all you've done. Yeah, that's true. If you ever take the time, I'm, I'm right, you know, to actually sit down and look back, go, yeah, we have achieved that is is something that's important to do to kind of remember remember those those markers. Yeah, and I and I do love that in the the measuring the different programs. Now, you are also um, an international wineries for climate action member, and are you, are you on the board as well? Yes, I am. I'm on the board yeah. as well. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit about um, IWCA, because it's a relatively new organization, but really forward thinking. And um, I'm not sure that everyone is aware. Yeah, international and you're and you just signed up to to become to become members. So you're applicant members. Thank you very much. And really excited that you're going to be a part of what we're doing. We, uh, a man named Martin Reyes, who, who does some work with us here, he went over, I asked him to go to Porta Protocol for us. When did that happen? And I think December or November of 2019, it was almost just before the pandemic hit. And he came back really, really excited and motivated and then heard a talk about International Winers for Climate Action when, when he was there and really came back enthusiastic about it and talking about it. I was like, well, what, you know, what is that? So we started looking into it. It's like, well, this is something that we that we need to be a part of. It was founded by the Jackson family here in the US and the Torres family in, in Spain. And they they really, I guess Miguel Torres was the one. I mean, he was really inspired by um, Al Gore's um, inconvenient truth and and really wanted to, to do something. And so they came together and formed this group. And so they were starting to look at adding others. And we looked at it and said, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to, again, manage, uh, measure our GHGs, take a look at where we are. And again, it's I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's not work to measure one's GHGs. You have to gather a lot of information from different areas of your winery, right? You're, you're measuring things from the production side, from the input side, from the inside your office side. You're measuring a lot of different things, whether it's transport or where you get your glass from, the weight of your glass. I mean, what you're doing on site, how much energy are you generating yourself? Um, in fact, we're expanding our solar significantly this year with a with a remodel of an office area that we're doing. So we just decided to get involved and to kind of jump in. And so we signed up like you've just done now as applicant members, I think in 2020. And we have now measured our GHGs for 18, 19, 20, and 21. Um, and we are going to get gold certification this year. And now with that, we have to show a decrease every year for the next 10 years. So when you sign up and say, we're going to go gold, to retain that gold certification, you have to meet these, these 
measures, right? And, and also part of IWCA is you become automatically part of the UN's Race to Zero program. And so it's it's just, it, it is challenging to do because you're looking at like, wow, where, where are we going to find this, you know? But you do you do find it and uh, and it's it's really it's quite remarkable what what you can do just like you were saying Emma it's it's steps here and there and it's it's pretty amazing what you can do to decrease your carbon footprint yeah it it really is and it's so um so important for all of us to be thinking about you know we have our um, great sustainable seafood tour at St. Supri and and one of the things that uh, we have found really interesting as part of that is talking with a lot of folks who are doing kelp farming and yes. the importance of kelp farming to not just sustain communities that have been overfished but as a, a resource kelp itself to replace plastics and the importance of deacidifying our oceans and right. you know it's not just what we're doing um in the vineyard to make it so important as what's in our glass but it's what we're also putting on our plate and where else that comes from that's pretty important for us all to think about in the in the hospitality and restaurant business and, and wine business everything that we're putting in front of us and that we're doing has a, a pretty big impact yeah exactly yeah. So um, one of the other things that you do, you were so involved in giving back to the community um, and you give 20 uh, percent of the purchase price of Mary's Block Sauvignon Blanc to the Napa Valley um, Land Trust. And, uh, you know, you're very involved in a number of charity organizations. You want to talk about why that's also an important component of what you and your family um, commit to? So Land Trust of Napa County for us is something yeah, that we've always been really interested in. And what happened in 07 is that they were making, the Land Trust was had the opportunity to make this purchase of the Wild Lake property, now called the Dunn Wild Lake property because Randy Dunn gave heart and soul and, and money to, to the effort. I mean, remarkable. But um, it wouldn't they, have been done without Randy Dunn. It, it would not say. have been done without Randy Dunn. That is, that is very <laughs> true. Deeply that it. it borders, you know, almost borders his property up there. But what it did, you know, there's it's it was this property that, that the Wild Lake property connected. It, it's made the eastern mountain edge of our Napa Valley, the, the top of the ridgeline, all the way from Anglin up at the top from the Frisian Lakes area, all the way up to Calistoga. It is it is forever wild, right? It will be there are some mountain bike trails and some hiking trails, but it will not be developed. It will, you know, there's this whole area. So this opportunity came to do something. And my mom, you know, had been given, I think by her dad, you know, like some shares of Chevron stock so long ago. And we wanted to make this rather, you know, a significant um, donation. And so mom had, anyway, they looked at that and said, well, wow, with what you got it for and what it's worth now, you could just trade that over. And so it ended up, it was great to use, you know, shares of a company that has helped to despoil our our earth. Um, of course, it's also fueled us as we've driven around and flown around. But um, it was wonderful to be able to use those shares to be able to help with that wild lake effort in a, in a somewhat significant way. So that that got us going. And then and then my mother um, actually uh, died in the fall of 2016. Our first vintage of the Mary's Block was 2016. I, I had hoped she would uh, be here to enjoy it, but uh, but cancer took her. Um, earlier than, than she should have gone. Um, at any rate, um, so we made our first vintage of that in 2016, it was released in 17. It's only about 120 to 140 cases a year. Um, 
we just have 1.07 acres of Sauvignon Blanc in our estate, uh, which is the Mary's Block, because Sauvignon Blanc was my mom's favorite wine, and uh, and she loved the grapes also. And so we just decided, you know, this is a great opportunity to take 20% of the proceeds of this wine and give it to the Land Trust of Napa County. So we've been doing that since that first release in, well, we released the 16 in, to our mailing list customers, because it's only something that goes to top members of our mailing list in 2017. So we've been doing it since then. That's great. And, you yeah. know, I, I just have to go back to, to Randy Dunn because I was president of the land trust when we um, when we purchased Wild Lake mm. and it was quite uh, controversial amongst the members and the board and the project committee of whether the land trust should take on a project of that size. And um, it wasn't until Randy Dunn said, I'm going to give you five million dollars that everyone was on board. Yeah. And it was um, well, not everyone was, but at least we we had enough momentum to make that project work and really double the amount of land in the land trust with that purchase. And there's more land in Napa County permanently protected yeah. than there is in Vineyard. So um, it, it's a wonderful organization to belong to. And if you visit the Napa Valley, I strongly suggest uh, you join the land trust because there's a lot of great hikes, including going out to the Wild Lake property that you can sign up and do when you're when you're visiting us or, or living here. Exactly. No, it's it's a great it's a great organization. And, and that really is Randy's. He was passionate about it. and He made it happen. I really, really admire that. He and Lori both. Um, and Lori as well. She had to get on board. That's correct. Yes, it, it really did move things along. And, you know, I one of the things that, that many people don't realize is here in Napa Valley, we have the strongest and strictest environmental law, laws and controls um, for planting a vineyard of anywhere else in anywhere in the world. And um, a lot of that has to do not just with what we're um, paying attention to with our green certifications and making sure we don't have runoff, but it's also about view shed. It's about uh, the... Right the um removing trees it's about all of the things that you think about that have to happen to have a vineyard and um when you look at napa valley it's pretty much planted out and we're only a little over eight percent of the, of the exactly the yeah and you you make a really good point i mean i you know that that is the the truth is that it is just about planted out you know the best soils have been planted the the most viable areas ha have been have been planted and and anything, you know, and a lot of Napa County, you know, again, is out near Lake Berryessa, right? And, and really far east, you know, bordering on Solano County and, and way up north. So, you know, there's kind of this heart of it where you and I are in, in the on the valley floor. And then some, some you know, mountainsides on, on both sides, the Maya, Kamasan, the Vaca. But, but it really is more or less, we've, we've planted it out. And, and there's only, there just isn't that much more that, that can or really should be done because at this point, Again, to go back to sustain, is it sustaining or is it or is it improving? Uh, to improve is is to is to is to leave what's there so that we can continue to sequester the carbon that our forests, our natural forests, hold, um, and that you know if they're cut, um, they they don't they don't sequester that anymore. So hopefully, you know, we're going to be. It is very difficult to develop here as as it should be, and and it's something that we all need to be really mindful of uh, as as we as we move forward. Well, I do think that, you know, one of the the issues, too, as you say, you know, we've 
we need to keep these forests because it's sequestering the carbon, but we've lost so much with the wildflowers. <laughs> oh yes. And we've had in Napa that we need to be planting. That's you right. Know, we, we need to be planting and maintaining the forests that we have so that we don't lose anymore and we can restore what we have lost. And I think that's a important component that we need to look at while we're being fire conscious and safety conscious. And um, we need some other ways to sequester more carbon. Exactly. Exactly. Which is, and, and which is where, or, you know, agriculture and other things, yeah, I'm reading, I'm reading the, the Bill Gates book now. I mean, I read, I read different books on the environment. I mean, it's an interesting take on, on, you know, he measures and looks at things and here's what we have to do. And, you know, it's a much more kind of pragmatic, just sort of straightforward approach. And it's, it's fascinating, you know, again, it, it's, I think what one thing that we have to look at is that tackling this issue opens up a lot of opportunities for incredible innovation and things that, that we that we can do um, to to make to make things better. And so that's kind of exciting if we start deploying resources toward that um, and and toward toward ways to mitigate it because you know it's it's yeah it's it's hot and, and, and dry here now hotter and drier here than it was. It's windier. I mean it's quite windy here today. It's been windy all weekend and that dries out our soils as well. So you know it's just we're going to have this this danger of fires and we're going to have to learn how to get them, put them out more quickly before they turn into the big conflagrations that they have, because it's it's been it's been remarkable. What's what's happened here and nature can come back if we if we give her a chance. So let's let's just hope we can do that. Absolutely. So tell me, you know, you're really on the cutting edge of, of what's going on in sustainability and you talk to a lot of people. Are there trends or other companies outside of the wine industry that you really admire and are, are looking to for great examples? Well, I think my, you know, probably my greatest hero um, on, the, on the planet really is Yvonne Chouinard of Patagonia. Um, I just, for so long, he's been doing the right thing and he has the platform from from which to do it and i i just admire that that he's stayed you know that he's willing to take risks to get his environmental message across that they do it in such a nice way i mean you know the patagonia catalog comes and i just can't wait to read it you know and i mean i get i get everything online too but i i love that i read a really interesting article and then we now have the book and i need to read it by a man named hubert jolie who ran Best Buy, um, he's running Best Buy, and you know it's one of those things where a people came in and got bought Best Buy and kind of just wanted to liquidate it and get rid of it and get rid of employees and just get what you could out of it. And he just said, "No, we're gonna. I'm, I want to bring this thing back. We're gonna run a sustainable company. We're gonna engage our employees." So, kind of like this whole sense of how do you operate a business ethically that takes care of that's looking at not just you know, shareholder value, um, because that's only one one measure. And it hasn't, if you look at what's happened to our planet since we've taken that sort of sort of Milton Friedman uh, approach to how we operate our businesses, um, our planet has suffered, right? Because we need to take care, not, not just of shareholders, we need to take care of our employees, we need to take care of our community, we need to take care of our natural environment. We need to care about all of those things. It's not just about profit and what we can put into the pockets of, of shareholders who who may or may not be engaged actually in the business. So I'm hopeful, you know, that so those would be sort of when I look at things. I mean, I just and Yvonne Chouinard is about that too. He wrote a book a long time ago, "Let My People Go Surfing," which is a really well written book about you know giving employees taking taking good care of them and letting them go out also and take care of themselves, their families, the environment. So just looking at that sense of community that we need to bring back 
uh, to how we operate um, our businesses. And it's not operating ethically and well is goes right along with, with profitability and, and economic success. I mean, you and I both know that we can't do any of these things that we're doing unless we're running a profitable business. We have to have businesses that are profitable to be able to pursue these types of um, uh, initiatives. So again, I just, I, my hope is that, you know, we'll, we're gonna move toward a new sort of paradigm, a new way of, of looking at how, how we operate our businesses. Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, as a as a CPA in, in, in my first life, I um and and still, you know, thinking that way, I've always felt how important it is in the wine business to be privately held or a family held organization because the wine business is not a business that um that really works as a publicly traded company because <clears throat> We have to invest so much in long-term assets like vineyards, wineries, and from start to finish, it's, you know, at least five to seven years before you get your first bottle of wine. And that is not um, return on assets that's (laughs) important as a publicly traded company, but it is you know, a great way to do business and have um, an investment for generations to come. And I think that that's why, you know, we have so many um, family owned and uh, closely held businesses in the wine business in Napa Valley. It's what 95% are family owned businesses. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think, you you know, you make a very good point because everything in the, in the wine business is long-term thinking. And there are a lot of investments that we all make that, you know, you're not going to get a return on anytime soon. You have to be looking down, down the road. And, and also the one thing, there are the vagaries of mother nature, climate change or not, where some year, some years you have a higher crop and therefore higher production and other years you have you have a year where where Mother Nature gives you less fruit and you have lower production. So your your revenues are also shifting because even if you could sell more, if you don't have more to sell, you know, you can't just go and, and make and make more wine if you don't have the grapes with which to make it. So the wine industry is is unique in that way. And of course, we live, you know, we live with the seasons and very, very aware of the seasonality of it. You know, we know when winter and pruning and spring and bud break and you know, we're just really in tune with all that, which is another one of the really nice aspects of what we do. Yeah, it is. Well, is there anything I should have asked you that you want to share um, with our guests today? You know, I think I think the only thing that I that I would say is that I, I thank you for having this conversation with me. And I, I, I'm so passionate about it because, well, because I care. I mean, I'm, I'm an environmentalist, uh, of course, but I mean, I have been for, for a long, long time. But also, you know, the reality is that we in the wine industry, I mean, we are an agriculturally based industry. So we are uniquely impacted by climate change. And so we have um, a real sort of motivation to address it. And it, like I, from a personal standpoint, if you will, or from a business sustainability standpoint, um, and, you know, here at Spotswood, I'm second generation, as you mentioned, my ambition is to carry this forward to the third generation and beyond to build something that is strong enough to carry forward and, and do that. So I'm viewing this with, with a very long-term view in mind. And I think being agriculturally based causes us to be that much more sensitive to these issues. And not only can we be the change because you and I are both doing it and as, as are uh, some of our other, some of our peers, 
but we also can inspire change because we're selling our wines to a group of people who have the ability to say either come to Napa Valley or care about our wines to enjoy great food, to enjoy great wine. And that group of people, all of us coming together, we can make a difference. So I think, you know, looking at that opportunity of what we have based upon where we're coming from, you know, allowing our customers to understand we're passionate about this because we want to be able to keep delivering to you the great wines and keep growing these grapes and make these wines. And so join us in our in our in our efforts, you know, to to improve what we're all doing. I think that's really exciting. And so this opportunity is I, I very much appreciate it. Well, thanks for joining me, Beth. It was really great to to catch up about the environment today. And um, I look forward to seeing you in person again soon. Thank you for including me, Emma. And thank you for all that you are doing at St. Super. You are doing an exceptional job there. And I really appreciate it. That's kind. Thank you. Be well. Be well.